0: What's up, guys? This is Danny Lingloss. I'm excited to share that we made some upgrades to our website to include a blog for each new podcast episode. Started that at episode 31. In the blog, we break down three areas from that week's show, put out a timeline for the episode, provide links for resources talked about in that week's episode. This can be found at dannylingloss.com in the podcast section. Also, I'm excited to share with you this new productivity drink I've been drinking called Magic Mind. I'll get to that in just a minute, but for now, let's get after it. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals, organizations, and communities rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Welcome to Leaders Specialist. My name is Danny Langloss, and today we're joined by a very special guest, a close friend of mine, Julie Ruska. We're going to be talking about creating high-performing cultures. If you remember, Julie joined us season one, episode four, very early on, shared the secrets of the world's most successful people. I can't wait today to dive in and make that transition to how we create incredible teams, incredible cultures. Julie's a CEO of Powerful Leaders. She's a certified high-performance coach. She specializes in developing legendary leaders, creating high-performing cultures through optimizing performance, accelerating innovation, and achieving the highest levels of success. I first met Julie about a year and a half ago, and she's helped me through a lot of complex situations. Her insight, um, her composure, her ability to solve problems, absolutely phenomenal. She's become the queen of LinkedIn, as I like to refer to her. She garnered more than 60,000 followers in less than one year. If you've been on LinkedIn for any amount of period of time, you know how difficult that is to do. If you're not following her there, please do. I strongly encourage you to do that. She generates incredible content, a lot of times daily through the week, and she's hosting some really important conversations. That's what I like about her feed is the level of engagement. Julie, welcome back to the Leaders of Excellence podcast.
1: Danny, thank you so much for having me back. I'm really excited. It's amazing to see how both of our paths have been, um, we've both ascended in many ways and changed and developed and grown. And it's just an honor to be back here on your podcast.
0: Well, I appreciate all the guidance and mentoring and coaching you've done for me uh, personally, you know, and, and in, in the business world, right? And you work with, with leaders, with CEOs across many different professions across the entire country. And so you've got some really incredible, unique insights and I love how you've made this transition to talk about high performance and the world's most successful people, most successful leaders, to, to realizing that it's really about, you know, it's about that. But then when you transition that to high-performing teams and high-performing cultures, it changes everything. So, so awesome to talk about this. So one of the things we, we talked about, I think we think about culture being important. We talk about the great resignation. Why is culture so important? And how does that tie in if it does to the great resignation?
1: Honestly, what we're finding is that culture is everything. What the pandemic did for people is it gave them an opportunity to really reflect on what they want in their lives. And what was happening is when they took a step back from the monotony of the day in and day out, the rinse and repeat of waking up, going to work, coming home and doing that day after day after day, when they had a break, there was that time to reflect And a lot of us spend so much time being busy that we don't reflect. And what people are saying now is they aren't feeling appreciated. They're not feeling like they're part of a greater vision. Um, It's so much more than an increase in pay. They want more flexibility. They want a better quality of life. All of these things are coming up. And when you look at the culture of a company, when it's addressed effectively, a high performance culture can Involve and include all of these things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think it's funny because I started looking into the research as you'd had, and I've had a few different guests talk about this on the podcast, but not in the depth we're going to talk about, you know, creating great cultures and high-performing cultures, but right away, we want to, they want to point to the fact, well, oh, we can't keep people because the unemployment benefits are too high. The COVID relief and the CARES Act is too much you know, people, you know, people will leave for a dollar more an hour. And quite frankly, that's not what the research and the polls say at all. It's in complete contrast and opposite to that.
1: I agree. I agree. Everything that I've seen, everybody I'm talking to. And I'm I'm really, like you said, with LinkedIn, especially, I keep my ear to the ground and I make sure that I'm talking to people of all different levels from your ground level, like paid by the hour employee, all the way up to the CEOs, COOs. And what we're seeing is this idea that people want to be part of a bigger something. They want purpose in their lives and they want their company to be working toward more. It's not just about creating a product. It's about how that product changes people's lives. It's not just about creating a nine to five, but it's creating a lifestyle that works for them because people have seen now that they can get their work done on their own timeframe. And as long as there's a process to that, as long as there's some boundaries, we can create greater flexibility for people. But um, what we can't have is complete chaos. And what's happening is that companies are going one way and individuals are going a different way. And that's why we see this great resignation and this job shortage.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's Just, not what a is
1: job it? shortage, sorry, but it's an employment issue, right? Where people aren't finding, they're not able to fill the positions, yet there are plenty of people to fill the positions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That worker shortage driven by yeah. this, this rethink, driven by, you know, and, and people have a much higher expectation of what kind of work experience they want. I mean, even if you're not in a company that's that can do remote work or some kind of a hybrid, people have expectations of the culture and environment that they're in now, the way they're treated. And they've had that time, like you said, to rethink. And there are certain things that they're not gonna tolerate anymore. One of those things is micromanagement Another is power and control, fear-based leaders. And so, so as people have reshifted and grounded and changed what they do day-to-day in their personal lives, they've also done that at work. So one of the things I love, Julie, about your work it's heavily ingrained in the research. I know you wanted to share a little bit of research about high performance, high performance habits, high performance cultures to set a little bit of a context as we step into the further conversation.
1: Right. So let's start with the definition of high performance because I think it's become a catchphrase and a buzzword. And I want to make sure that we're all on the same page regarding what I see and what I'm talking about related to high performance. So the definition of high performance is a goal-focused individual or a goal-focused team. Um, And they're focused on succeeding beyond the standard norms over the long term. So these are people that don't have peak performance, but they have long-term sustained high levels of performance. They're performing at their optimal levels day in and day out over the months, the years, the decades.
0: Yeah, I think it's important, right? Because you think of high performance, it could mean many, many things. When you say that and share that, what I think of is this model that we've adopted and this this value of commitment to excellence. Like, how do we? This isn't. It's not a destination. There's not a place we can arrive to. It's how do we get one percent better every day? How do we add those layers of greatness? And so, it's some of what resonates with me in our terminology when I hear you talk about high performance. So, what right. is? Go ahead.
1: And you see that in the Fortune 50 companies, right? There's a reason that those companies are at the top and they stay at the top. These are the habits that they're using. And the research really, um, it supports that. The research from the High Performance Institute um, was done over a span of a decade. And they went to 190 countries. They surveyed over 175,000 participants and 2 million online, like, um, professional development users. And then they took into account 70,000 high-performance coaching sessions. So this is the research from the biggest study of high-performance in the history of the world. Like, I know that sounds really dramatic, but that's the truth. And what the research found were there six habits that the top 1%, the world's most successful people have. And those are habits we talked about before when I was on the podcast um, a year ago for individuals. But we're going to talk today about how those individual characteristics can translate to a team. So what we're finding the findings of the High Performance Institute in this study was that the world's highest performers have six habits and they practice these habits consistently because consistency is always key for success. And these habits are seek clarity, generate energy, raise necessity, increase productivity, develop influence, and demonstrate courage. And so when you take those, what I've done most of my career is worked with individuals and the individuals, I help them become the most amazing people. I mean, these people become legendary leaders. They're the world's highest performers and it's awesome. But what I found is you can only do so much alone. And so what we need once I help people develop themselves as leaders and high performers, they have to then develop their team. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So how do you take these six habits and translate them into a high-performing culture? Because the goal here for a high-performing culture is to engage people, energize organizations, and optimize performance. So those are your three kind of pillars of what a high-performance culture is. Would you agree with those?
0: Well, 100%. (laughs) I love it, that engaging people, the energy, optimizing performance. that I mean, that's what it's all about, right? We think the game changer within cultures and organizations is ownership, the extreme emotional, psychological commitment to a team, to its goals, to the organization where people do things because it's important to them, not because they're told to do it, right? Right. And when we talk about people being engaged in that energy, the optimization of that performance is, is, is so important. So how do these characteristics then, how do you take... You know, these high performers, right? And turn them into multipliers because great leaders are great multipliers. How does this transition and create these environments?
1: Absolutely. You're right. The greatest leaders are the greatest multipliers. So sometimes a leader can lead and they can take it all. Other times they need to bring in a coach and help them develop these high performance cultures and really work to bring the team together. So here's how it's done the first one seeking clarity. That's a habit. The outcome of that is it accelerates innovation. With clarity, I believe it's the foundational element of all performance. You have to have clarity, you have to have a vision, because if you don't know where you're going, you're going to be chaotic. And I've seen this over and over again, mostly in small businesses where they just don't have a vision. They're there, they're working hard. Their vision might be expanded growth, increased revenue, but that's not really a vision, that's just a goal. (laughs) So with clarity, it's important to start with the company's vision. You have to have a leader or leadership team that envisions the future strategically. And from there, once the big picture is there, you have to have a vision for what everyone's role is. What does everyone need to do each and every day? What are their short-term goals? What are their long-term goals? What do they need to do to move the needle forward, to be more awesome, to optimize, to accelerate their innovation?
0: So we talk about clarity. It has to do with being clear on the vision, but it also has being clear on expectations. Yes. And then goal-setting short-term and long-term goals becomes very important. Because when we know and we're very clear on what it is that we're going to accomplish, that we want to, that we seek to accomplish, this appears to be the area where we begin to align an individual's purpose with the purpose of the organization. You just talked about how important that is. Am I getting that right?
1: Yes, absolutely. And expectations are so important. And where most companies drop the ball there is effective communication. Okay. Expectations when somebody comes in in a new role, the expectations have to be set. Oftentimes, when people leave a job or they quit a job, one of the things that they list as the reason for leaving is they didn't understand their role, they didn't feel like they were working toward a purpose, they didn't feel like they were, you know, clear on their expectations. And that all comes from a lack of effective communication.
0: So what does this effective communication look like?
1: Well, it really depends on the organization. A lot of organizations communicate too much. They have email, they have Slack, they have you know, all of these things. There's text now, there's social media. And it's like, I don't know, let me stop a minute and see, is it on email? Is it on text? Did you send it to me on LinkedIn? Was it on Slack? Was it on, you know, and people don't know they're getting too much information. What you have to do is you have to streamline it and you don't need to send company emails a hundred times a week. One, one bullet point email would be awesome. And so a lot of times people know and organizations know they have to have effective communication, But they get it wrong here. They miss the ball. They're like, oh, we have so many ways to communicate instead of one streamlined form of communication.
0: What I found, go ahead.
1: And that comes in with expectations, but let's (laughs) we can talk about the effect of communication and then get back to expectations.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I've found, especially in this technology-based environment, is that leaders and organizations have gotten lazy on the most important kind of communication and that's face-to-face communication. Now that can be by Zoom if you're in a remote workplace, but having verbal communication because yeah, I mean, I've done work with companies where people are getting 500 emails a day and nobody's reading any of them where they've got text and they've got Slack and they've got email. But if you're talking about vision, if you're talking about expectations, if you're talking about purpose, those kind of communications, I believe, need to happen in person or in person, you know, remotely. These are very important things because how do I have any idea if, if I've communicated something to you about the vision, the purpose, your goals, the expectations? How do I know that you understand that or know that? Am I just going to rely on the fact that I put this into writing and you fully took what I meant by that, there's a lot of miscommunication that happens there. And I really challenge leaders. Anything we communicate that's important, be careful using text or emails, especially if it's negative.
1: (laughs) Very much so. You know, people can't understand the um, unspoken communication via text. They can't understand via email the emotion behind it. And emotion, which we'll get to next... Generating energy is so significant in all of our communication. So going back to the expectations, setting expectations, it starts from the beginning with the onboarding process. And what's happening now, I hear, is that people are getting hired and they go through these extensive interviewing situations. They go, maybe they're interviewed for three months or six months, and then they come on board and it's crickets. They're just thrown into their job like they're supposed to know because they went through an interview process. But really, they need to have someone right there with them saying, here's what our company is all about. Here's the vision. Here's how you fit into that vision. Here's what we expect from you. And then listen, right? Listen. What are the questions? And then have a mentoring situation so they're not just thrown into a role and left there.
0: Yeah. Pure Pure gold, right there, from Julie Ruska, talking about this onboarding process, clear expectations. One of the things we went to were expectation statements, but we don't give them to a person and say, read these. We sit there and we don't just go through them and read them. We talk about why they made the list of expectation statements and how these expectation statements help the person accomplish what's important for them to accomplish. And then we get feedback and we ask questions and we listen. Because when you talk about being appreciated or respected or trusted, there's no better, greater way to respect somebody or to show you trust them than to ask some questions and to listen to them and to listen to their feedback.
1: Right. Absolutely. And so from there, say we haven't done that. Say we're in an organization that's not hiring. It's okay. Okay then you need to come back together now, right now, wherever you are with your executive team. I always say, start there. You're the leaders and you're the role models. So you need to be doing these things before it trickles down Um, and set the expectations because they change over time as well. I've worked with teams, executive teams, where they're doing things they no longer need to be doing. Now they've hired an assistant so the assistant can take on that task. Or now they've shifted focus. And so someone else needs to take on some of those tasks. So realigning expectations is a really powerful way to do this, um, to accomplish the clarity that's necessary to be the driving force to create the high-performance culture.
0: I love how you talked about the evolution. I've got a podcast uh, coming out. It'll be, come out around this time about role assignment and how improper role assignment creates insecurity and dysfunction. And how, yes. when as you move through and roles change and jobs change and innovation and technology change. we got to make sure that people are still that right fit and that we're setting the clear expectations as things do change. Um, It it eliminates so many different problems we're fighting that coaching, mentoring, support. All right, let's transition and talk about generating energy. I love this component.
1: Now, this goes into what we were talking about with effective communication, right? Like how we communicate and the energy that we put forth changes everything. The tone of voice, the energy that you walk into a room or the energy that you express over Zoom, right? So people are like, well, what does that have to do with high performance? Everything. You have to cultivate and sustain high levels of mental, emotional, and physical energy to perform at your optimal levels. So you want to generate energy as an individual, but you also need to do it as a team because you want your company to be energized and engaged. Every time an employee from your company leaves work and goes out into the community, you want people to say, wow, wow, that person's on fire. Because when that person's on fire, it speaks for your company. And right now in this world of personal branding, your employees are representing your company 24-7.
0: One of the questions I ask leaders when I meet, present with them, do some one-on-one stuff or in groups is, are you a thermostat or are you a thermometer? When you walk into the room, does the energy in the room determine your level of energy? Are you setting the tone and bringing that energy level intentionally to where you want it? And that's something we've got to be very, very conscious about because positivity breeds positivity, but negativity breeds negativity. And I really like how you've talked really about this proactive communication and how, you know, what we say is a, is a, is a percentage of what the communication interacting is, right? Our tone right now, your smile, the way that you're engaging, okay. right? The warm feeling that, that you're putting off to somebody, our body language, all of those things matter. And as leaders, we set that tone for the organization and that doesn't just stay within the four walls of the organization that goes out and is creating the brand as you've, as you've spoken about really right. powerful and- stuff.
1: And that's what's so important about the verbal communication that you were mentioning earlier. We have to communicate, whether it's on the phone, Zoom or in person, we have to communicate. We have gotten so set in sending a text and sending an email and we're missing out on the opportunity here to change the level, you know, to amplify it, to raise the energy, to increase our positive attitudes and improve the morale of people. If you really wanna improve the morale of your company, it has to be done in this verbal form of communication. And, And the research really supports this. When you generate energy and when you create an energized, engaged company, you see increases in staff morale, increases in job satisfaction, going back to the great resignation, you see fewer people resigning. It's an amazing game changer.
0: Absolutely, we talk about that energy. This, this enthusiasm, excitement, passion. Hey, you don't want to miss out on this, right? Like, it's so so important. And when we tie this energy back to vision and purpose, especially, huge. I mean, we're emotional human beings. We're driven by our emotion, and this is a very simple way for us to to make sure we're driving positive emotion. Any other strategies within generating energy before we um, move into raising necessity?
1: Yeah, I mean, strategies-wise, it's about looking at your sleep. It's about looking at the way you schedule your days. It's about companies that support the well-being of their employees, whether it's gym memberships or bringing in yoga, wellness. Um, It's about healthy snacks at the office. There's so many things. And again, it depends on your company. It depends how it's set up. It's very much an individualized situation, but it's important to have a focus and to um, make sure that you are aware of the levels of mental, emotional, and physical energy of your employees and of your company as a whole.
0: As leaders, we have a lot on our plate. I don't know about you, but I'm always being pulled in different directions, and there never seems to be enough time in the day. While time management plays a major role in our success, energy management is probably more important. You see, we can't change the amount of minutes in a day. But our energy is systematically renewable. But even with the best energy management strategies, we all get worn down. I know I find myself drinking two large cups of Coke Zero every day, and I watch my colleagues drinking coffee one cup after another to keep that energy going. That is why I tried this new productivity drink called Magic Mine. I've been drinking it over the past couple of weeks. And I've noticed an increase in my energy and focus. I was drawn to this drink when I heard the story of Magic Mind creator James Bouchera. He was diagnosed with a heart condition, and his doctor made him give up a lot of that caffeine intake. So he took it upon himself to work with his team of doctors and food scientists to develop Magic Mind. And there's more benefits than just keeping you awake. It includes ingredients to help you stress less, think more clearly, stay on task. I swear if you're a leader, you know that staying on task and staying focused is key because you have so much going on. It's easy for leaders to feel overwhelmed. So I truly, truly hope you enjoy the benefits like I have. Go to MagicMind.ca forward slash leadership. Use the code leadership 20 for 20% off your order. It'll be linked in the comments below. All right, let's get back to it. So I hear two, two big components there. It's something I've been hearing a lot in the podcast we're recording as leaders. One self-leadership. How are you caring for yourself so you can show up this kind of energy? And then how are you, if you pay attention to that and you're doing that now, you know how to do it for your team. Right. And that's, that's a big, That is a big, big thing, Julie, that we can be intentional about creating the right environment for the right kinds of energy through these other strategies.
1: Absolutely. And that actually shifts us into how do you get the energy, the drive, the sustained motivation? And this comes into raising necessity. When people can connect their personal why and the company's why, It creates a powerful emotional drive. It strengthens the vision. It strengthens their commitment to the success of the company. And so when I talk about necessity, it's your why. It's your why for getting up each and every day. That's your individual why. And then you go to the company, the vision. Why are you there? When the vision is strong and you connect your actions to furthering that vision every single day, you find that companies thrive in astronomical ways.
0: This raising, so this raising necessity is all about really that connection of the individual, the team members, why to the company's, why this is important. This is necessary to accomplish what's important to me. And it's, it it ties into the ownership concept we talked about just a little bit ago. Mm -hmm. And this connection that happens within the individual team members really creates that environment you talk about to to have very high levels of teamwork cooperation but innovation and success
1: absolutely it's something that again we overlook we hire people and a lot of companies especially the bigger ones don't have that personal connection but to help people from the beginning have that clarity of here is why you are important to our company. And then when leaders take the time to get to know that individual's why, that's a game changer because it creates that personal connection and that bond, and that creates loyalty to a company. And when people are loyal, they're going to work harder.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Talk about the the four things that that every person needs, that we believe every person needs. The one is they need to be cared for. The second is they need to feel like they belong. The third is they need to feel like what they're doing is making a difference. And that all ties into what you're saying. And the fourth is they need to be appreciated. And you talked about the importance of appreciation at the beginning here. And I, I raise those four things right now, because I think as you're talking about connection and loyalty and your why, personal commitment, those kinds of things, they all they all factor in. And and the more we know, what I love about the podcast and speaking with all these leaders and continuously learning every week is that when we understand the fundamentals, when I understand these components, I can intentionally take them and implement them in my day-to-day. And then once I've learned how to do it, then I can teach other leaders within the organization how to do that. And that's really when you start seeing these high-performing cultures. So I just love having these conversations and and the stuff you're talking about is just resonating with me at a high level.
1: Absolutely. It's so important and it's wild to me, like it's mind-blowing to me that so many organizations completely miss the boat here. When I start talking to leaders and companies. And I ask them the simple questions like, what's your vision? No idea. Sometimes it's really cute because they'll like get on their phone and they'll look up the mission statement. I'm like, yeah, that's not what I was asking, but okay. (laughs) It gives me clarity on where they are. And it really is when you start to look at, again, the fortune 50, and I talk about the fortune 50 a lot, the fortune 50 companies, they have a clear vision, Everyone knows where they're headed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Maximizing productivity. Number four.
1: Yes. So this is one that we have so many misconceptions about. Everybody seems to think if you want to be a high performer, you have to hustle, you have to grind, you have to push, push, push. But research really indicates that high performers work less. They work fewer hours, but they're more efficient and they're more effective. They focus on the needle movers and they delegate the things they don't need to do. Why is this important? Besides the obvious things, increased productivity helps the company sustain growth. If every single employee is focused, they're clear on their expectations, and they're working efficiently and effectively every single day, the company will grow tenfold.
0: Wow, that sustainable growth, right? You're thinking about like I I love Peter Drucker's statement: "Culture eats strategy for breakfast." And as we look at leadership, (laughs) right? Leadership, there's there's four main components of leadership: vision, culture, strategy, and execution, right? And when you think about that number two, and we're talking about culture right now, that's what drives everything else. And I know just and from my emotion from the excitement of talking about these steps, like you're just in a place to be more productive. You have more energy. You're ready. It's, this is so important for us to go accomplish. I can't wait to do it. But then you talk about something that I find very fascinating. It's that high performers can work less. It's not that they're less committed. They can work less, but they're more efficient and effective. They're in. They know what are the things that move the needle and they learn how to delegate. Why is delegating so hard for leaders?
1: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That could be a whole nother episode. There there are so many reasons. Um, A lot of people um, are really attached to their vision. A lot of leaders are. And so they micromanage. They don't want to delegate. Um, You have a whole set of leaders that are a little bit narcissistic, and it it hurts their little egos that they don't need to be at 40 meetings a week. They could actually just get the notes from all those meetings and attend two, and then they could focus on the vision and being out in public and be connecting with their employees instead of sitting on Zoom all day or sitting in a boardroom all day, attending meeting after meeting that they don't need to be at. So (laughs) again, we could go. We could go deep into that, but that's kind of the basic of it. It's really hard when you are attached to something to trust the people around you to carry it forward. The most effective leaders have hired brilliant people to work with them.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. I think I think of like a, a negative and a positive when it comes to delegating. Right, like on the negative side micromanagers, insecurity, one fear that somebody might be able to do it better than them or fear that people think they don't know what they're doing from the negative. From a positive side, when I've seen people make that transition from the leaderboard to leadership without the right training, coaching, and mentoring, they actually feel like they're dumping on people when they delegate and they're not dumping on people, they're growing people. And so those are two of the things that I've kind of found because I had a trouble with delegation um, early on because I felt like I'm sitting back and I'm not doing anything. Like I'm not carrying my weight. I soon (laughs) learned it wasn't about that. You know what I mean? It wasn't about that at all.
1: Yeah. And that's also really important to, when we go back to expectations, what are the expectations of the leadership roles, right? If you're a CEO, if you're a COO, if you're a CFO, um, if you're on an executive team, what are the expectations for you, And some of those expectations need to be redefined. Some of these people are in positions of power, but they're really just figureheads. And that's okay. It's great. But then be a figurehead. And if you're a figurehead, do the things figureheads do and then let the other people handle the issues that they need to handle. Um, and so it does take humility to step back and trust that you put the right people into place to carry the vision forward.
0: Yeah, and, and when you do, and when we figure this out, it is such a powerful thing because you know we always talk about like leadership's about coaching, mentoring, providing resources, supporting, helping people get up you know, when they fall down, dusting them off and getting them going. But one of the most important things that leader can do and what I think the top level leadership is, is the ability to get out of the way. You hired these incredible people. Give them what they need and get out of their way and let them do their job.
1: Absolutely. And this goes into the next point of developing influence. The world's highest performing leaders and the world's highest performing teams develop influence. And what that does for the company is it inspires the collective agility. It builds momentum and going to the one topic that we talked about, things not being about money, in the end, businesses are about increased revenue. And this is the area of influence that you see the biggest game change.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's funny because when we, when we talk about 21st century le- leadership, leading the whole person, we talk about these strategies, Right. And you're talking to people that are just worried about the numbers and, and people are just a mechanism to the numbers. This is generally where you start drawing a in when you start talking about the increased growth, the increased profitability. Cause that's what that's what all this leads to. The 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 strategies you're talking about here, these qualities aren't soft or weak on leadership. They're smart on leadership. They're what create based on research, but based on what you and I see day in and day out working in the field. Those are what create the the greatest teams, the highest performing cultures. And so I love how you bring that to life. And it is something we do have to talk about.
1: Right. So with influence, people are always like, okay, what's influence and how do you create it? And this is, again, going to the culture, a culture of listening and understanding. That is the most significant factor in developing influence, a place where employees feel heard. Wow. That acknowledgement that we talked about, the number one reason that people are quitting their jobs is because they don't feel appreciated. They don't feel valued. How do you help people feel valued? You listen to them. I mean, this is common sense, but common sense is not always common practice. And for the love of God, people wake up, listen,
0: Let's talk about some of what we think are a leader's greatest tools. The the top one, Julie, in our leadership excellence, leaders' greatest tools and skills. The top number one is listening. Yeah. Number one is is listening. Number two is encouraging. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, and then number three is believing in people. Right. When when we listen and when we encourage and when we believe in people, we say, I care about you. I trust you. I respect you. You're important you belong here. And then when we actually listen, not just listen to respond, but listen, and they can see meaningful change or meaningful progress from from those conversations, the buy-in, the ownership, the morale, the engagement, all the, the productivity, everything starts to increase Pure, pure gold there, pure gold.
1: Absolutely. So after that, beyond that, The listening helps with developing those relationships, helping people feel like they're part of the team, helping people feel like they're appreciated. And then what do leaders need to do in these companies to create this high performance culture? They need to stoke the ambition of the employees. It's like, hey, here's the vision. Let's earn it. Let's make it happen. Let's work each and every day. And then beyond that, how does it serve the greater good? What is this vision going to do for the world? Um, That's something that we see a lot of millennials list as one of the most important things. They want their job to have purpose. And now we're seeing it's not just the millennials, it's everyone. The people that are leaving their jobs don't feel appreciated and they don't feel like they are having a positive impact on the world. So Those are really important. And then another thing with influence is extending trust, but also earning trust. And that goes to being, having a leadership team that is worthy of being a role model, being role models for their employees. It's so important. We forget all the time that employees are watching. 24 seven too, with this world of social media, like you have to live a life of integrity. You cannot go in and talk about the vision and talk about goals and then go and do something completely different. That's not going to work. So if you want to have a high performance culture, you have to have leaders who are high performers.
0: Yeah. The, the thing that that jumps out to me when you talk about this is uh, the great Stephen Gower, who I've seen many times Uh, at different national conferences says leaders, your microphone is always on. People are always watching. Do you say one thing and do another? Because if you do, you have no integrity. You're not demonstrating integrity and you lose trust. The other thing we talked about trust that I think is so important, and and I want to reiterate this to the audience, you said extend and earn trust. I think one of the most powerful trust builders is trusting first. Yeah. I mean, the, one of the few things there, there's very few times and situations where we can't trust first. And when we do trust first, <laughs> it's huge because just think about it. I mean, a, a great destroyer of trust is you feeling like I don't trust you. Right. right? And so it makes it, it makes sense, but it's something that i found to be very, very, very effective. So let's talk about something that, that probably is and I think, and I'll, you know, after you get through it, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit is demonstrating courage. One of the most important aspects of high performance cult- cultures, high performing leaders.
1: To achieve great success, you have to take risk. You have to make bold moves and demonstrating courage is the game changer. This is the like creme de la creme of a high performing team of a high performing company. They are not afraid make mistakes. They know that they'll be supported because again, it goes back to extending trust, right? So in a company that is achieving high levels of success, there is this energy of being creative, of being innovative, of taking risk, now calculated risk. You don't want like just wild, crazy (laughs) risk-taking, but taking you know, those risks, trying new things. If it doesn't work, it's not the end of the world. Learn from those mistakes, make it better.
0: Open-mindedness, trying new yeah. things. What is our relationship with failure? Is it a positive relationship? Do we realize it's nothing more than a step on our pathway to success? Or are we fearful to fail? You talk about extending trust. Like when we extend trust, people aren't afraid to fail because they feel supported. You know, you're know, you not going to stand over them and chastise them when they've fallen down. You're going to offer a hand. You're going to help them up. You're going to dust them off. You're going to give them a word of encouragement. You're going to send them forward. And when you talk about this demonstrating courage, taking calculated risks, making bold moves, I mean, we have to do those things. What got us here won't get us there, right?
1: Right. High performance teams don't follow trends. They set the trends.
0: Wow. I see a quote coming from that.
1: <laughs> well, it's so true. Right. If you think about, again, going to the top one percent, the top 10 in the Fortune 500, look at those companies, study those companies. Think about Apple going back to the iPhone. How many people have an iPhone now? It's it's like everything. (laughs) This device, I can pay my bills. I can communicate with anyone. I can record my videos for LinkedIn. I do everything on an iPhone. And the vision was there, but it was bold and it was risky. And people thought Steve jobs was absolutely crazy (laughs) when he talked about it, when he said, Hey, we're not going to make a million products anymore. We're going to make a few, and we're going to make products that change people's lives. And that's why they were successful. And what do they do now? They constantly make bold moves. And are they all great moves? No. They're not. And then they tweak them and they make them better, which is why they have 14 versions of them now, right? They just keep growing and they keep getting better and when they make something, they listen to feedback, right? And they say, "Oh yeah, people aren't they aren't loving this new camera. They aren't loving this new plug. They're not loving this. So let's change it for next time." That is a brilliant example of a high-performing culture.
0: I was talking to somebody the other day, and this this really made a ton of sense to me. Like, we have a ton of failures in our lives. A ton of times when we sought out to do something, that maybe didn't do it our best. And, and Apple has a ton of those things, but nobody's talking about those things. What people right. are talking about with Apple are their successes, right? And and I think that's important for us to know and understand. That's what people remember. You know, people don't remember all the times Michael Jordan took the game-winning shot and missed. They remember the times he made that game-winning shot, that he was courageous enough to take it. It's huge. One thing I want to talk about under the demonstrating courage, because I think it fits amazing here, is leaders, we can get everything in the organization right. But if we do not hold lines of accountability, when people act in uh, contrast to our purpose or our vision or our values or our expectations it becomes the great destroyer of teams and cultures. And I've seen this firsthand where these great visionary leaders, communicators, they appreciate people, they're constantly moving forward, but when there's a problem or an issue, they're afraid. They don't have the courage to step up and address it. And when they do that, that creates... A lot of problems within the organization, a feeling of favoritism and inconsistency, it breeds, starts to, to breed comparison, which leads to jealousy and envy and can okay. really create toxicity within culture. So I just want to point out from our perspective that demonstrating courage is about all these positive and fun things that, that are. These, what you're talking yeah. about sets me on fire and it's yes. a big reason I took the the role of city managers. We're annexing in 500 acres and creating new industrial residential business districts, expanding our riverfront, just broke ground on a community center doing $10 million in infrastructure work. That's amazing. But if we don't hold, we can't have a high performing culture if we're not performing at a high level. And when we don't hold those lines of accountability to our expectations, values, vision, and purpose, it will destroy the culture. And so that, that's just something that I wanted to bring in as we, as we, you know are wrapping up demonstrating courage.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You have to be willing to make bold moves. And going back to what you were talking about about companies who are successful, Michael Jordan, whether it's sports, whether it's in your personal or professional life, you're known for your wins. Legacies are all about wins. Legacies are not about losses. When they publish the highest companies like the revenue of the highest companies, they don't focus the losses. They don't list that, right? Correct. So if you think about who's on the cover of that magazine, they might have their story. They might have their challenges that they share, but in the end, they're known for their greatness. And that's what it's all about. Being a high-performance company, a high-performing company, creating that culture of high-performance is all about getting your entire team on board with a vision, engaging people, right? Energizing them, making sure that you're optimizing performance. So everyone succeeds and your company thrives personally, professionally, all the way around.
0: Julie, I've really enjoyed this. I so appreciate you coming on today. Where can people find you at?
1: I am on LinkedIn, Julie Ruska, um, H-R-U-S-K-A. I I used to say I live on LinkedIn. I don't live on LinkedIn as much anymore. Um, That was during the pandemic, but um, I do a lot of free creation of free content for people to help them change their lives personally and professionally. Um, I have a website, powerfulleaders.com. People can reach out to me, julie at powerfulleaders.com. That's my email. That's probably the best way if you're interested in working with me. Um, because my LinkedIn inbox is constantly flooded and completely chaotic. But yes, I would love to talk to people. I do, again, individual high-performance coaching, and I do corporate. I work with teams, and I work with entire companies to help them shift, to help look at what's working, where they're performing at their optimal levels, and where they aren't, and then creating strategies to make sure they get there.
0: Excellent. And I can I can tell you to our listeners, to our network, uh, Julie's absolutely phenomenal. Like I said, she's helped me through several big situations, work through, talk through, great listener. Um, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? She's got a ton of experience. Uh, like I said, I really appreciate you coming on and joining us today. I can't wait for this episode to launch. There's so much gold to share through the week. Uh, to To our listeners, again, if you're not following me on LinkedIn, please do. We're posting daily leadership, mindset, motivation content. Really seeing a lot of engagement there, not to the level that Julie's seeing, but we're working our <laughs> but we're working our way. It doesn't matter. We don't there. compare.
1: No, we don't no,
0: compare. It doesn't. No, we're really excited about yeah. um, the the leadership excellence community that we've created, uh, the support that that's been there. Again, today Julie shared the six characteristics of high-performing culture. She built on that. You know, we we again we had a podcast episode, season one, episode four, the worlds of the most successful people. Where we broke these down individually, but but now we broke them down as they relate to cultures, organizations, and teams. Number one, seeking clarity, two, generating energy, three, raising necessity, four, increasing productivity, five, developing influence, six, demonstrating courage. You know, one of the things Julie said that I wrote down, it'll be a quote when we post is high performing teams don't don't follow trends, they set the trends. You know, legacy is about the wins. It's it's not about the losses. We've got to earn. And extend trust to our teams. Um, we got to stoke the ambitions of, of our people. All different things that I took from this episode is we really went and broke these things down and took a deep dive. To our listeners, thank you for joining us. If you like this episode, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Consider leaving us a rating or review so we can help reach more people. And remember, always be committed to excellence.